This is Markland Media. Hit it! Welcome to Gunshots Straight from the Hip. I'm your host, Mark Gunn. The views expressed on this program are those of the host and guests and not necessarily reflective of anyone or any entity associated with this broadcast. This episode, The Hypocrisy of Juneteenth. I want to personally thank everybody who has subscribed to the podcast. And remember, you can download it at markgunmedia.com, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Google Podcasts, envision-radio.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. I also want to thank those of you that listen from anywhere in the U.S. and around the world. Bonjour to our listeners in France. Guten Tag to those of you listening in Germany. To my friends in Ireland. Diahuch. Apakabara, Indonesia. Konnichiwa, Japan. To my family in Nigeria. In Leo. Hello to my neighbors to the north in Canada. Hello, Bangladesh. Hola to my friends in Brazil. G'day in Australia. And hello to those of you listening in the UK. We would love to hear from you. And you can reach out to us by going to our website at markgunmedia.com or through envision-radio.com. As a black man in 2021 America, I have no loyalty to any political party. The Democrats are just as bad as the Republicans, and what happened in the halls of Congress this week is just another example. Today we are one step closer to a new federal holiday. Uh, There are currently 10 federal holidays that we recognize here in the United States, but we will likely soon have 11. The Senate today passed a resolution establishing Juneteenth as a national federal holiday. Juneteenth, of course, celebrates the end of slavery in the United States. President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, of course. But it would be another two and a half years before the last remaining slaves in Galveston, Texas, finally learned of their freedom on June 19th, 1865. June 19th is Juneteenth. Now, The fact that the Senate vote was unanimous today, that came as a bit of a surprise. Uh, Wisconsin Republican Senator Ron Johnson had previously blocked this, but I guess today he got over it. Um, The bill will now go to the democratically controlled House. It is expected to pass in the House. Still TBD on when exactly, but after that, it is expected to be signed into law by President Biden. Uh, It has been almost 40 years since the last new federal holiday was created, the holiday honoring the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. That was created in 1983. Um, But we're about to get another one. If you are one of the roughly 2 million federal workers in this country starting next year, you can expect an extra day off for that federal holiday. Uh, As for the rest of us who don't work for the federal government, it is not only something worthy of celebrating, it is definitely something worthy of bugging your boss to give you the day off to celebrate it. Juneteenth. On the surface, you'd think it was a good thing. Another step towards racial progress. But so nobody sees the hypocrisy in making Juneteenth a national holiday at the same time this country is trying to ban teaching critical race theories in the classroom. Like what's funny is you don't think students should know that the Emancipation Proclamation is a piece of legislation that didn't mean much in terms of slavery. But you don't want students to learn about how our legal system is steeped with the permanence of racism. And that's on Derek Bell's face. Because what I've noticed is that a lot of y'all want to talk 
about how we shouldn't be in the past, but you're going to celebrate 1776, the past, for July 4th, but you say that we shouldn't stay out the past when it comes to talking about the 1800s. It's the trick of time that Calvin Warren be talking about. Y'all should look him up. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? But listen, the hypocrisy of democracy is saying that we shouldn't teach students about how our legal system is racialized because, hey, it makes certain people feel bad and guilty. But at the same time, in 2021, we're going to finally make Juneteenth a national holiday. Contradictions, the hypocrisy of democracy, huh? Just like me, there are a lot of black folks that see through this load of crap. So we've seen the Senate has overwhelmingly Democrats and Republicans signed on to have Juneteenth as a federal holiday. Now, black folks, let me tell you something. The Democrats going to tell you, hey, black people, we did something for you. We have Juneteenth as a federal holiday. Let me tell you something. This government have no problem giving you anything that don't cost them a dime. You understand? Now, let's, let's backtrack. The Asian community got a whole hate crime bill and $50 million by executive order with Jim Crow Joe. The transgender community got something. Native Americans got something. Native Americans, matter of fact, continue to get billions of dollars a year in reparations. Now, we notice people that so against reparations for uh, black people when it comes to slavery, why don't they use the same arguments about Native Americans and say, I didn't um, kill any Native Americans. I didn't take their land. I didn't lead the Native Americans on the trail of tears. Why do I got to pay in my tax dollars billions and billions of dollars for something I never did? But that conversation is only relegated for black people. You understand? Even though the relics of slavery is still going on to this day, the uh, legacy of Jim Crow is still going on to this day. But it lets you know how much they hate black people because everybody can get money from the American government except black Americans, which the money, if you look at it on an economic scale, that money would actually be used kind of like a, a stimulus for the country because most black Americans are not going to go anywhere just based off of what I know. Um, the money would be spent right here in America and stimulate the economy. But, you know, they have so much hatred for black people in this country, whether they say uh, they hate you or not. I mean, I always tell people, pay attention to people's actions, not really so much what they say, right? But don't let them play this game with you about Juneteenth. They didn't give you crap. It's so, it, it was a stroke of a pen uh, for that. If you look at Democrats and Republicans so excited it's about to give you something, it's usually nothing that's going to be uh, tangible for the black community. So when the Democrats come tell you that, look, black people, we, we gave you Juneteenth, you just look at them like they're stupid. They say, you didn't give us crap. They say, we need something tangible that we can put in our bank accounts, right? Just as much as, much as you give the Native Americans, just as much as you give the uh, Israel gets $10 million a day of our tax dollars. And they not that's not even citizens of our country. And yet they're getting our tax dollars. Black Americans can't get anything, but people outside the country can get something. So that's just what I'm trying to tell y'all. Like, don't fall for the okie doke or don't let them both smoke up your behind. The Democrat Party and whoever else party don't do nothing for black people. And if you think they're doing something for you, you are utterly silly. One more example of politicians trying to appease, quote, poor little Negroes who they don't think are smart enough to see what's really going on here. The silly thing is that Republicans and Democrats have been doing the same thing since forever. In a recently uncovered interview with author James Baldwin, Baldwin addresses what some continue to call the great white lie. We spoke of the American attitude toward blacks. There's a price this republic exacts. Any black man or woman walking, and that is a crime. I paid for that crime in my life, 
And I don't believe my countrymen anymore. They will not do to him what they failed to do to me. I was seven years old 47 years ago, and nothing has changed since then. Look, look. I don't mean it to you personally. I don't even know you. No. I got nothing against you. I don't know you personally. But I know you historically. You can't have it both ways. You can't swear to the freedom of all mankind and put me in chains. Sounds as if you believe that slavery put a curse on us somehow. Well, it is a curse, you know. Um, the American sense of reality is dictated by, by what Americans are trying to avoid. And if you're trying to avoid reality, how can you face it? You know, if you don't know what is going on in the ghettos of this nation, in the hearts and minds of, of women and men you see every day, you don't, you don't, first of all, in that case, you don't really know what's going on in your own heart and mind. And you have no way of knowing what's going on in the hearts and minds of millions of people on this, on this globe. White people go around, it seems to me, with a very carefully suppressed terror of black people. A tremendous uneasiness. They don't know who, they don't know what the black face hides. They're sure it's hiding something. What is hiding is American history. You know, what, what, it, what, it, what, it, what it's hiding is what white people know they have done and are doing. You know, it's what, you know, white people know very well one thing. That's the only thing they have to know. If they know this, everything else I say is a lie. They know they would not like to be black here. They know that. Now they know that, and they're telling me lies. They're telling me and my children nothing but lies. And I was sure that I, I was going to be next. Just from despair, or? From despair, from rage, you know. You, because you can get to a place, where, you know, where you, you're in battle so often that you, that's all you, that's all you can do. You know, you've been beaten so hard. All you can do is, is your world narrows to, a kind of red circle of rage. And you begin to hate everybody, which means you hate yourself. No. And when that happens, it's over for you. Like it or not, race and racism have always been political hot buttons. Just take a look at the last four years for evidence of that. Given the fact that race as a topic is top of mind with a lot of people right now, and that the midterms are just next year, Democrats will continue to be weak on the subject, and Republicans will continue to use it as a dog whistle for the party of Trump. As for how the GOP views the issue of race heading into the midterm elections, Axios has this for us today, quote, with or without Donald J. Trump atop the party, the Republican strategy for the 2022 elections and beyond virtually assures race and racism will be central to political debate for years to come, in case you were worried. In an era when every topic seems to turn quickly to race, Republicans see this most divisive issue issue as either political necessity or an election winner. So that's where we are. Still with us, Eugene Robinson and Mike Murphy. And Eugene, I want to start with a quote from my favorite columnist who looks shockingly like you. Uh, this man, Mr. Robinson, writes, uh, there are those who deny that anything called systemic racism is a feature of the American landscape. They should be aware that history tells a very different story. 
Eugene, I, I note that this is in the wake of a first American president to go to Tulsa to talk about and embrace what happened in Tulsa and the national shame that it should have been all these many decades. But in your view, what should the conversation on race consist of right now? Well, first of all, it should consist of an acknowledgement of our history, of our full history. As I put out in that column, Tulsa was perhaps the worst, arguably the worst, but certainly not the only white mob massacre of African-American communities across the country in the early decades of the 20th century. This was not a one-off. It happened in Atlanta in 1906. It happened in so many cities in 1919 that it was called the Red Summer. And these were white riots aimed at destroying black businesses, which were competing with white businesses, aimed at killing and intimidating black workers who were competing against whites successfully for jobs in the growing industrial economy. And this is part of our history. So, you know, the right wing is, is all a flutter about, you know, critical race theory and how that should never be. Yeah, I, I guarantee that 0.0001% of those critics has ever read one of the dry academic journal articles about critical race theory or even knows what it is. That's not the point. It's the history. It's learning and acknowledging and coming to terms with what happened. And when we do that, then we can understand what the phrase systemic racism means. But Republicans don't want to go there. And as a matter of the culture wars, they believe their voters don't want to go there, want to resist it. And so that's what this is really about. But history has a way of winning. History has a way of making its effects known, no matter who tries to stop this phenomenon. So we're going to keep telling the truth. I pointed this out. There's a superb piece in your paper again, uh, showing the various massacres over the years. You don't really have to read it if you don't want to. Look at the map, the places, the dates, and the death tolls uh, to learn more about the cycle that Tulsa was part of, the history Tulsa is part of. Hey, Mike, there is a, um, a poll out from Axios and Ipsos. They could probably partner with Quiznos in the future. And this is whether the nation uh, needs to make changes to give black Americans equal rights. Uh, more change needed among white Democrats, if you ask them. Uh, yes, there's more change needed, 87 percent. Enough change already? Sounds like the late Jerry Stiller is now writing the questions. Among white Republicans, 79%. There's been uh, just about enough. We're fine. So, Mike, eight in 10 responding Republicans, isn't that the core that so many politicians are aiming for right now, whether they admit it or not? Well, yeah, that's part of it. But often the key to a good career in politics is to make polls, not follow them. Uh, my old buddy, Governor John Angler, who, you know, always won from behind, always said polls bore me. They're what happened a week ago. The question is the future and what we're going to do to make it. So I, I do think one of the things we're struggling with in politics now is this identity groupism we have. Now, look, there is a legacy of systemic racism in our country. And we have to talk about our history clearly. But moving forward, when it becomes group versus group, and that's the key lens, then people divide up into tribes and people like Trump show up. 
and they make it worse. So the question is, how can we have opportunity for everybody, mindful of our history, but hell-bent on creating a new, better history? And if you look at the economic stats, there's no doubt that African-Americans uh, and to some extent Latino-Americans, people of color, the largest two groups, don't have the same net wealth as Caucasians do. And that's a gap we have to close. I want to see a free market Republican argument about that. My progressive friends have other ideas, but we got to have that debate. We ought to have common facts of the problem and a common purpose to unite it, but not purely go tribal where it's constantly, I'm right, you're evil on both sides. Because all that does is burn down democracy and, and, and put us in a worse situation. The right continues to lie about what critical race theory is while passing laws against teaching it in schools. They also continue their deliberate effort to whitewash history. America's refusal to reckon with its racist and violent past is often illuminated in textbooks, where for decades, through omissions, twisted logic, and downright lies, aspects of our history, from slavery to genocide to forced internment and land seizures, have been so sanitized, you'd be hard-pressed to associate it with history at all. Take, for example, how this textbook describes slavery, shown in a video by Vox. The master often had a barbecue or a picnic for his slaves. Then they had a great frolic. Even while working in the cotton fields, they sang songs. The beat of the music and the richness of their voices made work seem light. Yikes. That's from History of Georgia, a textbook published in 1954 that was taught across junior high schools in Georgia for decades. The danger of teaching whitewashed history isn't just tucked away in some dusty old textbook from the Jim Crow era. No, that danger is the latest conservative obsession with more than 20 states taking steps to ban the teaching of critical race theory, including Idaho, where a task force is looking into claims of indoctrination in schools. They've now submitted a public records request to the Boise School District that could cost tens of thousands of dollars because, remember, racism can be expensive. Asking for all materials, curriculum and assignments used in classrooms and teacher trainings, as well as any materials using Nicole Hannah-Jones' 1619 Project. And joining me now is Nicole Hannah-Jones, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist and the creator of the 1619 Project. And, you know, at, at first, it seemed like it was a fringe sort of attack on your project, on this project. It has now become a cause, just a, a, a sampling in Nevada, Nevada groups, they want them. They want teachers there to wear body cameras so they can monitor what they're teaching to make sure that they're not teaching things like the 1619 Project. Ron DeSantis in Florida has accused uh, is sort of he's making hay out of this for himself, saying he wants to make sure that we're not teaching kids to hate their country. Uh, in Arizona, they're talking about fining teachers five thousand dollars if they discuss hot button topics such as racial equity. This is this seems like madness, Nicole. Um, some of them are calling it they want patriotic education instead. In your view, what is this about? I think we're in actually a very dangerous period right now. When we look at what these laws are doing, you know, a lot of people have kind of scoffed at them. Um, you, when you read the language of them, they appear very silly. But when you think about what this is actually trying to do, we know that it is narrative that allows us to enact really dangerous policies. It is narrative that allows citizens to kind of accept these erosions of civil rights. So it's not incidental that the same states that are introducing these anti-critical race theory, anti-1619 project laws are also introducing voter suppression laws. These things are going hand in hand. So the textbook that you just were reading from, right, this is part of the lost cause narrative. The lost cause narrative is what justifies Jim Crow. 
It is a narrative that really erases the cause of the Civil War, that really tries to valorize the South and to say that Black people were not ready for self-rule, that Black people could not self-govern. And so that then justifies the enactment of laws that deprive Black people of the right to vote that deprive Black people of their citizenship rights. So I'm actually really concerned about what these laws mean. Outside of the fact that I think they are antithetical to the First Amendment, I think they are clearly designed to stoke white resentment, to uh, really feed into this narrative that white Americans are under attack, that they are the primary victims of racism. And that is going to lead to some very very troublesome policies. So we really should be concerned, uh, even though the law seems silly, I don't think the the uh, emotions and the kind of really hysteria that they're intended to evoke is, is silly at all. No, I agree with you because it, right, it, you're 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 seeing these things enacted at the same time that some of the same voices are attacking Black Lives Matter, which a lot of young white people uh, have joined a movement. A lot of young white people have joined, which they, maybe their parents and grandparents don't like. And when you're also seeing this national security threat um, of white nationalism um, that is actually threatening the lives of you know, people in state capitals. Uh, what do you make of the fact that they've now merged and fused this idea of critical race theory, which has nothing to do with K through 12 education, with the 1619 Project? They've basically turned the two things into the same thing. It is a way of vilifying your work and dragging your work into this dangerous narrative. Absolutely. I mean, this is this is the new birtherism, right? So this is really trying to take a term. Um, no. Most teachers have not heard nor studied critical race theory and to, you know, strategically use that to stoke resentment and um, to also really center it and hook it to the narrative of the 1619 Project. But why is that? When we look last year, right, these were the, the largest uh, civil rights protests in the history of this country. You know, Vidor, Texas, which is a 99, 98% white town that had, um, you know, fought the federal government as late as the 1980s over housing segregation, was holding Black Lives Matter marches. And we saw in the polling the highest support for Black Lives Matter in the history of that movement. This is a reaction to that. So it's not just, you know, young liberals. They were really speaking to all of the moderates, all of the uh, conservative white Americans who also were looking at this and saying, oh, my God, I, I, my country isn't what I thought it was. So 1619 unsettles that narrative. And in unsettling that narrative, people are afraid that it unsettles power. And that is what we're seeing is really a, a need to to hold on to and maintain that power and divide that social movement towards justice by making white Americans, um, at least a segment of them who will kind of be susceptible to this message, believe that actually, no, you're under attack. They're trying to yeah. take your history. They've gone too far. And that's that's what why wedding these together is working so successfully. And frankly, uh, the media has played a big role in that, right? Because they were allowing Republicans to really uh, lead with this idea that, oh, look at this bad diversity training. That's critical race theory gone amok. Those two things are not related whatsoever. Right. But by telling the stories in that way, we've really fallen victim uh, to this propaganda campaign. Lies continue to be circulated on the right about critical race theory, what it is and what it isn't. I'd like to demonstrate exactly what critical race theory looks like compared to the Republican-led patriot education. The American Revolution was a crowning achievement in world history because it overthrew the tyranny of the British Empire to create the greatest republic that the world has ever seen established through the natural rights of all people to live in harmony with each other. That was patriot education. Now let's see critical race theory. 
The only revolutionary element of the American Revolution is that it replaced a monarchy with a republic. Otherwise, it maintained a white supremacist structure that had been in place from the very beginning. This included warfare, murder, and genocide of Native Americans, and the enslavement, rape, and murder of millions of African Americans. All right, while critical race theory might not feel good to talk about, that doesn't mean that it's wrong. By glossing it over, denying it, or ignoring it, all we are doing is denying the voices of those who have not experienced being white in America. Why would that make them feel at all better about this country? No matter how many times you debunk the lie, there's always some brainwashed idiot that simply refuses to see the truth. Thankfully, more people are starting to push back. Just because I do not want critical race theory taught to my children in school does not mean that I'm a racist, damn it! Yes, it does. If a black child is old enough to experience racism, then your white child is old enough to learn about it. The loudest voices against the truth are the very ones claiming that it's, quote, further dividing the nation, or stirring the pot, or the ever-popular playing the race card. The thing is, our voices have to be much, much louder. They're not teaching kids to hate. Like, do y'all realize that we gotta have conversation with our black kids but no one can have conversations with the white kids that's going to school and saying the Look at the racism we see every day. Teaching kids to respect each other by teaching what they go through is not teaching hate, it's teaching them acceptance. I see way more Gen Z fighting about racism than our elders. I mean, people my age and them, they say racism don't exist. Them Gen Zs are calling everybody out. They're young and most of them are white because they did their research. Why do y'all think that because we have to teach our kids about racism. White kids should know about it. So they're just gonna be like, oh, well, that doesn't exist like you're doing right now. Like that makes no sense. Really go research all that comes with critical race theory and Tulsa massacre and everything that has happened. Y'all just gonna erase it like it didn't happen because white kids might be taught as hate. Bottom line is that I nor any black person shouldn't be celebrating Juneteenth. The hypocrisy is staggering, and the disingenuous nature of this bill is a slap in the face to every black man, woman, and child. Once again, America cheapens the memory of our ancestors. I won't celebrate until the George Floyd Police and Justice Reform Bill becomes law. I won't be celebrating until the John Lewis Voter Protection Act is passed. I won't be celebrating until the anti-lynching bill that's been languishing in Congress for years gets passed. So, no... I won't be celebrating Juneteenth anytime soon. Funny how Congress can't show any justification as to why these bills haven't become law, but they can damn sure pat themselves on the back for doing nothing. <laughs> American mediocrity at its finest. You've been listening to Gunshots Straight from the Hip. The views expressed are those of the host and guests and not reflective of any business entity or anyone associated with this broadcast. If you have any comments or want more information on how to be a sponsor, log on to our website at markgunmedia.com or call us at 502-407-0283. That's 502-407-0283. Thank you for listening. Mark Gun Media. No hype, no hoopla. Just damn good work.